Would you join me in prayer? Father, my heart is so broken um, today. I don't know um, if I'm just overwhelmed by the media and the news from every corner of the earth how precious men and women, boys and girls, created in, in your image, God, created for your perfect plan to build a kingdom of heaven on earth, God, to build this, this foretaste of, of what eternity is going to be like. Here, you've charged us with that purpose. And we confess, God, that well, it seems that there's more hate and, and brokenness and pain now, God, than many of us can remember in our entire lives. Forgive us our sins, God. There's so many. We've looked to one another and only seen these identity markers of political party or color of skin, nationality, gender. God, we're at war with one another. Even though all of us were created for your glory and for your purposes. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the but gods in your word that remind us that everything we see is not the ultimate reality. You have already made a way. You have broken into time. You've fractured, God, the false groupings that we would identify with. You've, you've established, God, a, um, a center where we can all gather and see each other for who we really are. And, and God, where we can love one another as precious children of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I know you experienced in your flesh the suffering, the rejection, the persecution, the pain. God, so that we would not have to forgive us for the times when we choose God, to live in the old person instead of the new one that you created. Forgive us for the times when our vision extends only to our own personal needs rather than to the glorious community that you have established. Thank you, Jesus, that in your flesh you broke down the dividing wall of hostility. Don't let us put it back into place. God, even today as we gather, speak to us. Reveal the mystery of your word. God, reveal to us the, the resources at our disposal to be able to become the people of God, the light that you so desperately want to shine in this dark world. God, even as we gather here today, open the eyes of our heart, would you? Allow us to see you. Allow us to hear your voice. Allow us, God, to to sense your spirit's presence, even in your word, to risk being transformed by it. And then, God, equip us, would you, to go back out into a world that so desperately needs 
the light of Jesus. We love you. God, we receive today your forgiveness for our sin, for our brokenness. And God, we lift up our faces to gaze on your beauty. We look to you, God, to lead us. I thank you that you always do. You're always desiring, God, to show us the way, even when we can't see or don't know the way, your words come back to us. So today we offer to you the prayer which Jesus taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We're going to continue in worship as we receive our tithes and offerings. If you are a visitor with us, this is a part of our worship. Please, please just seek God's face. Let's worship him together. reading today is from the book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 8 through 17. If you have the large print Bible, it's on page 1203. I don't have the other one. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. But if 
you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call him, call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who they have, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God, of Christ. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Our second reading comes from Galatians chapter 3, beginning with verse 25 through 28. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew or Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. The very word of God. Our last passage is a continuation of this massive uh, passage in Ephesians that we have been reading this morning already. Um, Ephesians chapter 3. I invite you to turn with me and then to keep your thumb in the pages if you're using a, a printed Bible or your phone nearby if you're using that. To follow along with me um, as I read Ephesians 3 beginning at verse 14. This is the end of the passage when Paul has cast an amazing vision for this new community. Uh, and, and don't just picture, don't just picture a community of Jews or a community of Christians. Uh, Jews need Jesus, right? Christians need Jesus. This new community is centered around the person of Jesus Christ. And Paul uh, at the end of this, like we saw in, in Ephesians chapter 1, has this incredible prayer for you and for me and for the Ephesians. Beginning in verse 14, For this reason, he says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you, you, to be strengthened, with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we said the purpose of the gospel is to fill every nook and cranny of the entire world with the presence of God. Paul says and prays that it starts with us, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. How is this going to happen? Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or even think, according to the power of at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen? The very Word of God. Oh, thank you, God. I do um, appreciate so much that, that no matter what we face, God's Word already speaks to us. No matter what challenges come before us. God's Word already speaks to it. The challenge, of course, is for us to put that Word into practice, right? And again, I, I don't want to be Dave Downer here, but, but, um, but oh, it's so overwhelming just to, to follow the news week in and week out. 51 years after Martin Luther King, right, I stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial and and I, I wouldn't say cast a vision, because that vision, you just saw that vision cast 2,000 years ago. But Martin Luther King brought it home for us. He, he scrapped his notes and, and cast a vision for a dream where all these, these barriers, uh, 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 these walls of hostility would be brought down, right? Would be taken down. And, and when you think about it, um, where are we 51 years later, Right? Still struggling, right? Still struggling. I love the way that Paul put it in Galatians, right? In Christ, there is no barrier, right? There is, there is no Jew or Greek, no Jew or Gentile, right? No, there, there, you don't distinguish between peoples by, by their, their um, race or by their identification from faith, right? Um, Everyone needs Christ. But wow, what a vision the Apostle Paul cast and, and, uh, and Dr. King uh, reminded us of it, that it goes far beyond uh, male or female. It goes far beyond either slave or free or in our culture, employer or employee. Um, Christ breaks down those barriers and establishes a foundation for a new community. When you think of Dr. King, what do you think of, right? A lot of us who remember those days, a lot of us um, immediately go to desegregation, and that certainly was a part of that. He, he could not understand how you could have a culture that's segregated by any category, especially race. But what got lost in all of that was that he was reminding us, and he had a particular term for it, he was reminding us of Christ's vision. And he called it, his beautiful expression, Dr. King called it the beloved community. Isn't that that precious? The beloved community. 
And yeah, there were people on all all sides of the spectrum. There always are people that would seek to, to bring about change by violence or by other things. They were there then, just like they're here now. But his vision was not for that. His vision was for the way of love. A, a, a beloved community of every tribe and tongue, all caring for one another, all risking being taken advantage of, all suffering together. And just a few months ago, I had the privilege of visiting the, the hotel where he was killed, and I could look across the, the, the courtyard there and see the window, which, with the assassin's bullet, no bullet can stop God's vision. Amen? Right? The only thing that can stop it is if God's people... Drop it, right? If God's people don't live it. That's why Paul's vision in Ephesians for us is so profound. I know it's hard to follow because of language like Jews and Gentiles, um, but, but substitute in their uh, larger concepts, substitute in their people of God, people close to God, people far from God, and catch a vision with me, would you? Uh, um, of what a beloved community could be like. I'm not talking just about our, our faith community. I, I appreciate so much being a part of it, but, but this is one small part of a much larger vision that God wants to invite you into. And so I invite you to go deep with me. And, and uh, it, was, it was a challenge last week. Was, I think there was less than 50 of us here. Um, and, and Paul began in the first part of two, saying one way to understand it is to look at what you were before and what you are and what you shall be. Remember, one way he said is to recognize that that the gospel uh, defines a past vision, a present vision, and a future one. Do you remember? Do you remember what we shared together? The gospel means that that the... the um, Sin has lost its power. That, that the, the plague of sin has ended, right? Jesus broke the power of sin over us. Do we still live in the presence of sin? Oh yeah, we are here, but we don't have to live under the power of sin anymore, right? There's still brokenness in our lives and surrounding us. As, as Isaiah said, I, I am a, a man of unclean lips. Isaiah, prophet of God, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet we're still in this broken place where the power of sin is still present, but, but the penalty has ended. We don't have to live under that condemnation. And, and we saw last week in the beginning of Ephesians chapter 2 that he cast a vision for a day. That's coming when even the very presence of sin will be gone. Well, he continues that thought. What we were, what we are, what we shall be. He continues that thought in now beginning in verse 11 and moving on. He, he casts another way, in the same way. He, he tells us, think about what you were. The word he uses twice there is remember. If we do not remember what we were then we won't recognize what we are, right? Remember, he said, you were separated from Christ. You were separated from Christ. Then he goes further. He says, you were alienated from the family of God. Even though you were created, God's, God's 
Remember that last week? It's God's poema, his masterpiece. You were created in the image of God to be a part of the family of God. You were alienated from the family of God. You were strangers, he says in, in Ephesians 2, to the covenants of promise. You didn't recognize that over and over again. When we broke God's covenant, he made another one with us. Ultimately, coming to fruition in Jesus Christ, the, the fulfillment of, of Jeremiah's vision, the new covenant, where, where the law will not be written in books, but will be written on our hearts. And the Spirit would fill us and give us a new heart and, and a heart of flesh and compassion again, right? He says, you were strangers to those covenants of promise. You had no hope. There was no hope. And, and my heart breaks because I know some of you here today are in that situation. You'd, you feel like there's no hope. You're overwhelmed by the brokenness within you and around you. And it's easy to conclude then that this is the way it'll always be. You had no hope. You were without God in the world. Paul calls to us over two millennia. Remember what you were. But, praise God, he also calls to us to remember about to think about what we are. But now, I thank you for emphasizing that. Several of you read those passages. But now, remember last week, but God. But now, in Christ, what? You've been brought near. Christ has made a way. You have been brought near. And if it's true for us, beloved, it's true for everyone who would hear that same gospel. You have been brought near in Christ. You're no longer strangers. And then he, he uses the word aliens. It's probably better translated sojourners. You're no longer people without a home. People without a future. People without a family. You're fellow citizens now. Your, your, your citizenship has changed. Don't be confused. We're not talking at all about American citizenship. It's a, it's a great gift to be able to live in this time and this place, but he has a much larger vision. Like Martin Luther King had a much larger vision of beloved community beyond just desegregation. So God has a much larger vision about what the, what the kingdom of God can be like. And, and now, in Christ, you are fellow citizens of that kingdom with all those who have put their trust in Him. And if that citizenship imagery was not enough, he says, you're members of the family of God. You're members of the family. So precious as my, my nuclear, I'm probably not using the right term, but the family I grew up in, is that nuclear the right term for that? The family of origin um, is all, we're all aging, and, and, and all of a sudden it's becoming really important to be in touch. So after decades of all going our different ways, um, my family of origin is all, all turning and pointing back, looking for something more stable. Oh, I love, I love it. And I'm looking forward to, to, cultivating those relationships. But God has an even larger vision for you. He, he's inviting you back to this larger family of all those who've ever put their trust in Him. Members of the family of God. 
And he concludes that section by saying, now in Christ, you are the place where God dwells. This is astronomical. But he says, you are the dwelling place of God. He casts two visions in 1 Corinthians and Ephesians. One is that the Holy Spirit, now through faith in Christ, dwells in you. But the second vision is that when, when you, as living stones, get close to one another, then you are built into this larger temple called, called the Beloved Community by Martin Luther King, called the Kingdom of God by the Word of God. You're built into the spiritual temple as well, where God's Spirit dwells. Pause such a vision for what can be. Now, I say this, and remember, when we first started studying this book, he's in prison, right? He's shackled to a, a guard, right? And, and, and probably not able to, uh, to uh, have nearly the freedom which he's dreaming about. But God is showing him what, what the condition really is. That's why he could have so much joy in the midst of so much suffering. That's why he could have hope, even, even as he knew and foresaw that his earthly life would be ended. He, he had hope because he had such a larger vision. Now think about, think about what you were. But think also about what you are. And, and doing that, thinking about where we are, reminds me of the, the importance of testimony of testimony how how do we fit into god's kingdom how do we locate ourselves and see how we fit into this larger picture let's be let's be real here at many junctures along the way we've wondered right what are you doing god what this i i could never have fathomed that my life would turn this way. Have you forsaken me, God? Are you still in the picture, right? We, we, we begin to be lost. Do you remember when you first encountered um, the GPS technology? I'm going to try and use that. I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to try and use that as a metaphor for the balance of the book of Ephesians, that, that God has given us a locating system. He's given us... Uh, a way that we know where we are and where we're going. Um, but do you remember when you first found that technology? I know you guys are playing now with that, that um, printer technology. Uh, that's fun. Um, I was pretty late to the GPS game because I was cheap, right? But I finally got one of those early um, Garmin, I think it was a Garmin Nuvi, right? And, and I could choose the voice of the person, right? I could choose like a British accent, right? Uh, I could choose, I even started calling, it really made Karen upset. I started calling her by name, right? The voice on the GPS, right? And, but all of a sudden, I could see exactly where I was. And, and if I had told the GPS where I was going, I could see exactly where I was going. Now, I say exactly. Remember the early days of GPS? You could be within sight of your destination, and it would say, turn right and drive five miles, right? It was, it was a, a growing technology. But I want to suggest to you that, that um, just as that mechanical device helps us locate ourselves in, in geographical space, 
God, through his word, wants you, wants to locate you and, and find that place where you fit. Reveal to you where you're going. Just a, a head start on it. Um, the, the acronym I'm going to use, GPS, is going to stand for your giftedness. Is going to help you locate yourself. We'll explore that in the coming weeks. Your passions are going to help you discover where you fit into God's kingdom. And today, the S is, is your story. And, and I, I, I say this with fear and trepidation because I know that, that many of our stories, when we try and wrap our brains around them, we look at those stories and say, that was the time when God was not a part of my life, right? Or that's a time when someone else's sin crashed into my life and, and I haven't reconciled it, but, but God did nothing, right? And, and, and then you hear words from God's scripture, like God is sovereign over every aspect of your life, that he's sovereign over your story, and, you, and, and your brain just struggles to put those pieces together. But I want to suggest to you that, that yes, we live in a world where sin exists, and we can choose God's way or not God's way, and there will be consequences for that. And other people can choose sin. And we will be affected by that. God never said that we would not, our story would not be affected by other people's sins. Right? In in many ways, our story is tragically affected by other people. Of course, the good news is that it can be positively affected by other people as well. But here is the rock-solid truth of Scripture that even in a world where sin interferes with God's purpose for us, God is never unable to, uh, to accommodate those situations. God's never unable to bring grace. How did our scripture end? He, now, God is able, right? He is able to overcome your brokenness. He's able to overcome the brokenness of others. But we've got to start recognizing that he is present even in the dark chapters of our story. You're thinking, are you going to ever come back to your outline? Um, yes. Yes. Um, but I want you to think of story in two terms here today. I want you to think in story in terms of God's story. Really, I want you to think in three. It's not in your notes. But each of us has a story. I'm going to invite you as a as a person seeking God to listen to one another's stories. But I want to focus today, especially on two other aspects of that God's story. In other words, the proclamation of the good news that in spite of everything that you see and everything you've experienced, God is sovereign and, and he has good news for you. We can, we can see the end of the story and we know in the end that God is victorious. His purposes never fail. So, so recognize that, that God's story is critically important here. And, and what does God's story say? Well, there's many parts of it today, but did you hear it in, in Romans? As Tom read Romans for us, what does the righteousness that is by faith say? Two critical concepts. Jesus is Lord. We were a part of a larger denomination for many years, well, for over a hundred years of our existence as a community of faith. 
And, and we had nine confessions um, that we, that we uh, uh, made vows to or, or, or followed. But this was the first one. This three-word confession was the first one. And, and people died over this confession. In a, in a day when the only recognized Lord was Caesar, to say that Jesus is, is Lord is, is blasphemy in that culture, right? And, and, and yet, God's word says this, saying this with your mouth is the most powerful proclamation of righteousness by faith. Jesus is Lord. I, I know that you understand this, but let me just remind you again, that, that doesn't mean that, that he is someone I turn to once in a while. Lord is sovereign. Lord is every aspect of my life is surrendered to him. I did not understand that. Even, even in my second round of deepening my faith and wrestling with the Lordship of Christ, I had no idea. I had no idea the depth and the majesty, the beauty, and honestly, the terror of surrendering my life completely to the Lord. But righteousness by faith says Jesus is Lord. It's so beautiful that so many faiths adhere to this. In, in many ways, we, we disagree on other things, but so many faiths recognize that three-word confession, Jesus is Lord. But Paul said something else there. Did you catch it? In Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, help me, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, right? In other words, that God validated everything Jesus is, everything Jesus said, and everything Jesus did by raising him from the dead, right? God validated. Of course, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. But, but lying dead in the grave, he had no power over his own self. And God raised him, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, right? Therefore, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God raised him to glory. God raised him from the dead. If you do these things, if you confess with your mouth and genuinely believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. You shall be saved. That's awesome news, isn't it? It's gospel. It's gospel and it's truth. That's God's story. But it must become your story, right? And this be here, the second thing is our story. What has God done in your life? The testimony of what God has done in our lives. You heard one of them this morning already. Did you catch that? In the middle of that. It was beautiful. Thank you, Shantley. A one-minute testimony of what God was doing. One another one? Nod your heads. I'd like you to hear another one this morning, would you? Come on up, Tom.
There was a time in my life when I was overwhelmed with guilt. I was born and raised in a Catholic family, and everywhere I went, guilt followed my life. To let you know a little bit about how that can be impressed upon you, and for a short time during during while I was growing up, the Catholic Church was giving you the, the sacrament of communion before the sacrament of penance. I had taken my first communion, and then my teacher wrote my name on the board because I talked in church or something like that. And when she wrote my name on the board like that, it made me believe that I had committed a mortal sin for which I could not take communion until I went to confession. So I went to church for months without taking communion because I thought I had mortal sin on my soul and I, and I didn't have the opportunity to go to confession to get rid of that sin. Well, I lived with that guilt my whole life. And we moved to Evansville some time ago and um, we went around to all the Catholic churches trying to find one that would accept us. Nobody was open to us. So we ended up checking other churches out. And one church we went to, the first week they were really nice. We went back the second week and they remembered our names. And so we've been here ever since. Shortly after belonging to this church, we went to a a retreat when God through Jesus, through the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans, verse 8-1, changed my life. In that verse, Paul said, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And at that point, the guilt that was in my life was dissipated. I no longer have it. And I'm free because of that right now. Do you have a story like this? Thank you, Tom. You do have a story like this. The problem for many of us is that we don't think that God could use our story, right? Did you hear in Sean Lee's testimony and in in Tom's, it doesn't have to be complicated, does it? Did you hear the the critical um, things that they said? There was a time in my life, right? Think about what you were, Paul tells us. There was a time in my life. And and Tom shared with us, Sean Lee shared with us, that the particular things are different maybe than what you struggle with, but but things that, that were blocking them from experiencing the grace of God. But then Jesus, right? And at some point, you came to whatever level of understanding of the grace of Christ. I, I share with you before, when I first understood Jesus, uh, um, it was out of purely selfish motives, right? I was afraid. And, and I was trying to cover as many bases as I could. It was like the guy in the mummy who starts pulling out all kinds of necklaces, right? Trying to pull something. If Jesus might be able to save me, I want to I wanna trust him. I did it for all the wrong reasons, but it was all the right God, right? But Jesus, at some point Jesus came into your life. 
And your life changed. Oh, you, you weren't free from everything. Remember, we still live in the presence of sin. We will until that day when Jesus comes again. And we still stumble and fall. But, but God, like, like a loving father, picks us up and brushes us off and loves us through it, right? And, and our life is forever changed. Out on the, on the foyer, um, there's a page. I thought I had one here with me, but I've, I've misplaced it. There is a page um, called Telling Your Story that was developed for the couple of retreats we had last fall and last December about coming to that point where in, in less than a minute you can tell the essentials of what God is doing in your life. And, and if you... If you are getting to that point where you recognize that God wants to use you to tell his story, he wants to use your story, then I I just really encourage you, grab that. Grab that. And then come and talk to me. I'd love it if every week we shared a couple of testimonies of what God is doing in people's life. His story is, is amazingly important. But the way that other people will discover his story is most likely through your story. So I just really want to encourage you. Think about where you are. Think about how your story has interacted with God's story. And risk, risk speaking that story. What happens? Well, how can people ever understand grace unless they hear about it, right? And you probably stumbled when you saw the word preach. That's not a good translation of that word. God is not calling you to preach. He's calling you to tell your story, right? To tell your story. But how are people going to believe unless they hear? And how are they going to hear unless somebody speaks it to them, right? And how are you going to speak unless you're sent? Beloved, in Jesus' name, I charge you to go. And, and at the best that you can, share the story of what God is doing in your life. It might be as simple as three words. Help me. Jesus is Lord, right? Or it might be one minute, or if people are open to your story, it might be five. But risk speaking. So that others can hear. And by hearing, right? Faith comes by hearing. By hearing the story, can put their trust in God. Oh my goodness, the world would be a different place if we would risk. If we would risk this. But what I love about Paul is that he doesn't just stop with where we are, right? He invites us to so much more. Think about what you were. Think about what you are now. But think also about what you can be. Think about what you can be. Paul's great prayer for us was that we would be filled with the fullness of God. That we would be filled with the fullness. And, and the idea is, is not just... Um, like late at night, my whole eating habits are all screwed up. Late at night, about 9 or 10 o'clock, I'm finally filled for the first time, right? I've been snacking, I've been eating all those things that cardiac patients aren't supposed to eat, right? Um, but my body is, is filled. He's not talking about just filled like as in had too much to eat. 
He's talking about being satisfied. The, the grace of God is satisfying. Come to that place of contentment where every aspect of your life is, is both surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, but is filled with the contentment that comes from knowing God's got this, right? Paul's prayer is that we would be filled with all the fullness of God and we would find our delight in that fullness. But he gets very specific. And and let me just um, encourage you with these words, but each one of these phrases you could spend uh, a year on. Paul prays that you may possess greater power. How many times have we said to God, God, I want... I want to follow you. I want to love you. I just don't have the strength. Paul prays for you that you would possess that greater power in 316, right? He prays for you that you may experience deeper faith in 317. At some point, we've got to go deeper with God. And if we won't go there ourselves, He will take us there. He will put us in circumstances that we cannot extract ourselves apart from trusting Him. And Paul prays that you would experience deeper faith. So many of us, faith is, is a place we visit. For some of us, just for an hour, a week, right? But, but Paul doesn't want it to be a place that you visit. He wants it to be a place where you dwell, where you live. He prays that you would experience deeper faith. And then in this amazingly beautiful expression... He prays that you could comprehend, but, but, but also experience and express greater love, greater power, greater faith, greater love. Beloved, if you're able to risk believing that what Paul prayed for can be true, then, then that love of God will guard you every day of your life. There's all kinds of people scattered throughout um, the sanctuary um, who would love to pray with you. Let me just ask you, we have elders in our midst, we have other people, if you would love to pray with someone about how they might experience the deeper love of God, would you just raise your hand for a second? Okay. See those hands? These aren't, these aren't pre-selected people. These are just people that are saying, I would love to talk with you about how you can experience the deeper love of God. But pray with me now, would you? God, thank you so much for Paul. That he, in this amazing journey of faith, gave up all the worldly things that he put his trust in. God, he had a resume that would astound any of us today. But he gave that up because he encountered something greater than anything this world could offer. He encountered the grace of the Lord through the love of God in Jesus Christ. Oh God, is it possible that, that those of us who are Christians could experience that grace and, and love even now, God? Today? Right here? In this place? Is it possible, God, that those of us who are far from, from God 
either in self-imposed exile or, or maybe living under the condemnations of someone else or maybe never before completely understanding the love of God. Is it possible that, that we could understand that together? God, I know if that were true, then, then race would, would no longer be a wall of hostility. I know if that were true, we wouldn't have war against men or war against women. Gender would not matter, God. But we'd all be one in Christ. God, if, if we could experience this, I know that the, the brokenness of human and sexual slavery would, would be broken at its core because, because nothing can compare, God, to the beauty and the vision of living in love relationship with you and with one another. God, I know if this was true, then it would absolutely transform our families, our work relationships. It would transform us. So do it now, would you, God? Grant us a vision of your love that would transform us. For we ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen.